0: I'm starting a new series this morning to to kick off this year from the passage of Scripture that we read earlier. The book of Haggai, chapters 1, verse 1, all the way through to chapter 2, verse 9. And I want to encourage you, uh, if you're part of the church here, to to read as long uh, as everybody's into Isaiah 58 right now because we're fasting and praying. So we're all going through Isaiah 58, which is about the fast God has chosen so um, I've, in the handbill we put out, there's some explanation about that and what's, what's happening. But as a church, I also want us to, uh, to be encouraged to read the book of Haggai, especially the first half there from, from chapter 1, verse 1, all the way through to chapter 2, verse 9. It's, it's a favourite of mine. It's a book that um, I believe God really put on my heart as, as almost a life, a life sermon, a life You know, people carry something. And and it's almost something that I believe God put on my life back in 1993. A long time ago now. What's that? 20, 19 years, no, 25 years ago, 23 years ago. Wow, it's a long time. But how many of you know it can be a little bit of a problem when you think you know something really well? Because it means you don't go back to it or you don't see it with, with uh, fresh eyes or with an understanding of, of a f- fresh heart. There's already one verse that, from Ezra that I've been going over and over and over again over the last few weeks. And, um, and it's completely changed. The emphasis has really, you know, adjusted in my heart as I've, you know, from 23 years ago to what it is today. And it's like, wow, I didn't see it like that before. So these are exciting times. And I believe there are times where we want to stretch out our faith and stretch out our expectation to believe God for the best. We serve a God for whom nothing is impossible. Nothing. And we also serve a God who wants to do more than he's done before. That, that sounds an amazing statement to make because God Has done so much. How can you top the raising of Lazarus? How can you top the dividing of the Red Sea? In my own life, how can he top my day of salvation? When I gave my life to him on October the 8th, 1984, how can he ever do something greater than that? Well, obviously in many ways he can't because the salvation work is the greatest work and it's not just a moment, it's a lifetime. It's a, it began on a day, but he didn't just finish that day. Yes, the baby was born. <laughs> but then there's a whole lifetime of learning and growing. But I want to encourage you to believe God for the best and for the greatest. And for the biggest and the the highest and the furthest and the fastest. See, some people would criticize me for that and saying, well, you're just getting your hopes up and whatever. Well, what sort of God do you serve? Dear God, I serve one who's awesome. I don't serve an apology of a God. I don't serve a a stone statue. I don't serve an impotent, old-fashioned, last year kind of God. I serve a God who's alive today. And of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. So today it's increased from yesterday. That's my God. (laughs) Starting a series today on the book of Haggai. We've already read the passage. I won't go back to it. That was, yeah, that was the Melfi paraphrase. And that book, as far as I'm concerned, is all about the glory of God. It's all about the glory of God. His glory. His glory. That's a word that we're gonna investigate in the next few weeks through this year. His glory. What is his glory? What does that mean? When the Bible says, give him glory, what does that mean? When the Bible says he is glorious, what does that mean? When he says he will fill the temple with glory, what does that mean? What does it mean that the glory of the latter temple shall be greater than the former? What does that all mean? Because as Christians, we use that word glory so many times. Or glory to God and oh, glory and hallelujah, glory. and glory. This is a word we use. It's a word that we understand. It's a word that we know. I'm not trying to say in any way that we don't know what it means. But, but how many of you know God wants us to understand more? And he wants it to be more than a doctrine, more than just a word we know. This is why, you know, I'm, I'm all for people shouting things out and I encourage it here. But if all we have is a tradition, hallelujah, praise the Lord, glory, hallelujah, glory to God, amen. You might as well say the grass is green and the sky is blue unless it comes out with a revelation and a power that actually does something in your everyday life. Glory, what does it mean? It means copiousness. wow that's what it means in its raw form that's what it means copiousness some of us might not even know what the word copious means it means it means abundant it means plentifulness it means to make weighty heavy It means rich. It means overflowing. It goes hand in hand with words like honour, wealth, prayer, hunger, passion, blessing. The glory of God is is not just a doctrine. The glory of God is something God wants us to understand this morning. Glory is a manifestation of God's goodness. Man in the Bible said, God, show me your glory. He said, if you see my glory, you're gonna drop down dead. See, it's not a light prayer that we pray. Oh God, release your glory. Happened in Acts chapter five, people died. Not out of judgment. God didn't judge Ananias and Sapphira. He just hung on a cross for Ananias and Sapphira. But the fire of God and the glory of God in the place was so powerful, was so intense, was so magnificent, was so full of fire, they had a prayer meeting, the building shook. There was a King Herod. I wasn't gonna go anywhere near this, but (laughs) wow, there there was a king who said, I am God. Bang! He dropped down dead while he said it. I mean, this is this is scary stuff. (laughs) The glory of God. It's not the judgment of God. The judgment has been put on the cross. Has been taken all of it by Jesus Christ. But if you light a fire in this place, the rats are going to run away. Gold is going to be refined. Wood's going to be burnt up. Fire doesn't choose. Fire doesn't go, oh, I'll purify that, I'll burn that up. It depends on the state of the thing. Hello? Depends on the state of the thing, it's not the choice of the fire. Wow, we have an amazing God who wants to turn his glory up. He wants his church to be glorious. He wants us to be carriers of his glory. He wants us to be pouring out his glory. And all the earth shall be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord. From the north to the south, to the east to the west. How? Through the church. The glory of God. But I want to emphasize again, the glory of God is a manifestation of his glory. Goodness, not his judgment. Why is God glorious? Because he's good. Judgment doesn't shine, goodness shines. Did you get that? Arise and shine. It means the church doesn't arise and judge. The church doesn't arise and criticise. The church doesn't arise and fight. The church, In that sort of a way, the church arises and displays the goodness of God. No wonder we shine. Because we pour out love, love shines. We pour out joy, joy shines. You get this this morning. The glory of God, his wealth, his abundance, his splendour, his his overflowing (laughs) copiousness. John chapter 2 verse 11 says this, this is after the Lord Jesus had turned water into wine. This, the first of the miraculous signs that Jesus performed in Cana of Galilee, this is how he revealed his glory. In water to wine. That was a revealing of his glory. It was the provision of a need. It was the incredible the power of the Holy Spirit. I love that the first miracle Jesus did involved alcohol. Don't, didn't that just blow your, your cobwebs away? Man alive, the church has split so much over the years about insignificant rubbish. Stuff that doesn't matter. Oh, do you talk in tongues? I don't talk in tongues. Oh, I think that's not of God. Split. Oh, do you drink alcohol? I don't drink alcohol. eitherly. that's of the devil. Split. Do you watch TV? Have you got a television? no, I don't believe televisions of God. Split. And the devil's had a field day. And the Holy Spirit's been grieved time and time and time and time again by the division of the body of Christ. Look around this place. We are one body. We are one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Every tribe, every nation coming together. Why? Because of the goodness of God. This is how he revealed his glory. He manifested his glory with abundant provision. See, glory affects everything. Say that again glory affects everything. When God fills something, it can never be the same again. When God fills something, it's changed, it's changed forever. It's impacted. Something may die, something may be raised to life, but it will never, ever be the same again. When Isaiah said, God, send me. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, only three times in the Bible does God say, let us. Let us make man in our image. Let us go down and deal with the Tower of Babel. And he said, who will go for us? And Isaiah said, here I am, send me. Before he could go, coal had to touch his life. The fire of God had to touch him. He was never the same again. Touched his lips so he could speak in a different way. It's my prayer that we speak a different way in Citygate Church. It's my prayer that we shine a different way. It's my prayer that we live a different way. You can't say the glory of God is upon your life and look like everybody else. Something will be different. Something will change. A person saturated. I love that clip we saw earlier. The church I see. Pours out of my heart. pours out of Citygate Church. The church I see. I don't live for what I can see today. I live for what I can see coming down the road. What can you see coming down the road? And in that I said, we will be saturated with the Spirit of God. A person who's saturated, overflowing with God's glory, lives a higher life. Lives a higher life. A life that is excited and and stirred up. That's a scriptural word, stirred up for greater things. A person who draws from the river of the Spirit of God. There was a man in the Bible who, Eli, and they came and told him, the glory's gone. The glory's left the temple. And it so impacted him, he had a heart attack, fell over. Why? Because he could not think of anything more disastrous than the glory of God not being present in the temple. The glory of God. Remember, we're talking about the goodness of God. We're talking about the greatness of God. We're talking about the abundance of God, the hunger, uh, the, the healing of God, the provision of God. I can think of nothing more disastrous than people not getting healed in the kingdom of God. It's not enough to just say cope with it when Jesus died for it. I can think of nothing more disastrous than people laboring under poverty and lack and insufficiency when Jesus is the God who owns the cattle on a thousand hills and he said the gold is mine and the silver is mine. Abundance is our inheritance. Not out of balance and out of whack that that it's all about money. Dear God, the love of money will kill you. It'll split your family. It'll wreck your marriage. It'll destroy your kids. But abundance rightly handled where we honour God. Dear God, let's start this year tithing. Don't joke with the things of God. Oh God, meet my needs. And then you you don't even step into that first stage of saying, I'm going to tithe. It's not often I preach like this. But if we want the glory, if everything's going to shake and we are unshakable, if the economy's going to crash and we're going to prosper, then we've got to get some stuff straight. Hello. I love what Tom said earlier about, yeah, we don't often prophesy from the platform and often call people forwards for prayer. Why? Because it's happening through the church. Oh, man of God, lay hands on me. What about the man of God who's sitting next to you right now? What about the lady of God who's sitting next to you right now? They got the same hands I got. God's filling them just like he's filling me. Makes no difference whatsoever if I pray for you or if Fred Bloggs prays for you. Makes no difference as long as it's in faith and they're a believer, God will move. These signs will follow those who (laughs) believe. People say, oh, when's when's the midweek service? It's in houses through the the boroughs. When are you going to lay hands on? When's your healing meeting? Every day of the year. Why the flipping heck should it be focused on a pastor? Man of God. Man of God, touch me, man of God. Let's not go there today, please. (laughs) Fresh! No, let's not go there. (laughs) A person saturated with the glory of God knows how to drink from the river. Knows how to drink from the river. We drink when we come together, and we drink in private and we drink in our small groups. Whole lot of drinking going on in Citygate Church. <laughs> what do you get from the river? Greater joy, greater love, greater faith, greater peace, greater grace, great, greater abundance. These are all scriptural expressions. <clears throat> greater love has no man than this. I've not seen such great faith in all Israel. Great grace was upon the apostles, great power. You find that word all the way through the Bible. No wonder I love it. I'm addicted to greater, not lesser. Anybody want lesser? Anybody want less of God? Anybody want the same next year as what you got now of God? Anybody want to be in the same financial position? You sure? (laughs) You're absolutely positive. Anybody want the same amount of kids they've got next year? Yes. <laughs> That's the only one I'll allow you. <laughs> I'm not going to go with anybody want more kids because husbands and wives may not have had the conversation. So it's like, oh, put your hand down. <laughs> You know what the people in Haggai, well, okay, God has his best for our lives. He, he just has his best. And God's best is found in God's glory. God's best is found in God's glory. It's where it is. The people of Haggai have been saying something for years. And what they've been saying is, not now. Let that sink in. Not now. Not now. Not now. Not now. Not now. now. Eighteen years beforehand, God had moved. God had spoken. Eighteen years. (laughs) Eighteen years. Eighteen years. 18 years before this passage we've read, God had moved, God had spoken, God had raised up a mighty leader in Ezra. God had gathered a team out of oppressive exile. God had provided abundantly everything they needed and they even started to rebuild the temple. 18 years earlier, the work had started. They got going. There was a stirring up. There was a passionate. There was an energy. There was a fire. There was a there was a desire. There was a unity. Incredible. Incredible. Read Ezra chapters 2 and 3. Just mind-blowing. All the people gathered as one man to Jerusalem and Ezra spoke and they found the Bible and they all cheered and there was tears of joy and there was and there was just overwhelming move of God. They held the Feast of Tabernacles which is all about harvest. They got their mind on. It's not about how much we got. It's about what we can sow and what we can reap. There was a whole mind change going on in a nation that have been in exile under oppression for 70 years thank God for Jeremiah thank God for Daniel who started to pray and thank God for Jeremiah's for Jeremiah's word thank God for Daniel who read Jeremiah and said 70 years you'll be in exile he did his sums and he said well that's up today let's go I love doers in the body of Christ not people who just pray about everything. We've got prayer meetings coming up and prayer Mountain, But you've faith without. Yes. Prayer without action. So often we're the answer to our own prayer. But I also want to take our prayers up way higher this year where we can't answer some of the prayers we're praying. Hello? God, pour out your spirit. We can't answer that one. God, love people through me. We can answer that. We can go and love them. Hello? God meet that person's need. Well, we can answer that often and provide. God heal this person. We can answer that one. Go and lay hands on them in my name. Are you with me today? Is this okay? But we can't answer the the prayers. We want to be praying about God fill this place with your glory. Seeing hundreds and thousands of people come to Christ. Christ. Now, that's not just us crying out in here. That's us serving people and loving people. For God did so much with Ezra, through Ezra, with those people, but the enemy got scared. (laughs) Let me be quite straight about this. A church in our position is very scary to the enemy. The enemy being the devil and the spirit world, it's certainly not people. People are not our enemies. People are never our enemies. But the enemy got scared and he gradually got in. Do you see that? Gradually, gradually. Sometimes he comes in, bang. But other times he sort of is too wise for that because he knows a full, a full attack, the church just goes boom and defeats him. But gradually, gradually, Sneaky, sneaky. Sneaky, sneaky. The enemy got scared. They gradually got in. First of all, they got into their camp. They got into their perception, how the people saw things. They got into their thoughts. Ten times they came and said, this ain't going to work. This ain't going to work. Not going to work. First time, they probably went, ah. Second time, ah. Ninth time, I wonder, this might not work. What do you think? He's told us that 10 times. You know what, he might be right. (laughs) Never entertain the lies of the enemy. Never entertain the lies of the devil. Got into their words. Got into their attitudes. Wore them down little by little through the two great, things that the enemy will always use, frustration and discouragement. Those are the two weapons that the enemy uses time and time and time and time and time and time time again because they cause something else. What do they cause? In this case, they caused the people of God to grind to a halt by force of arms. It says, Ezra chapter four, verse 24, by force of arms, they stopped the people of God. They had everything, they had Ezra. They'd laid the foundations, they built the altar, they'd started having sacrifices, everybody was together. They had all the money they needed. They had a king of Persia who said, do what you want. <laughs> they had everything they needed. But little by little, the enemy got in till bang, there was an attack and the people of God were so worn down they couldn't face the attack. The people of God had convinced themselves that because they had therefore been defeated, They must have got the timing wrong. Perhaps God didn't want them to build the temple. Perhaps they should just not believe for something so big. Perhaps they should just be happy with exile. Perhaps they should just be happy that they're alive. Perhaps they should just settle for second best but we don't serve the God of the second best. We serve the God of glory, the God of copiousness, the God of overflowing abundance, the God of healing, the God of provision, the God of financial overflow in abundance, giving wealth to people. We serve the God of family health and wholeness. We serve the God of children and the God of adults. We serve the God for every tribe and nation. We serve the God of the breakthrough. We serve the God for whom nothing is impossible. But that's how the people of God stayed for 18 years. I thank God we've not had 18 years of this mess. Aren't you glad? We've gone from strength to strength and glory to glory and faith to faith. And seriously, you can look back over the history of Gate Church and see year on year, the goodness... And the greatness and the growth and the faith of what God is doing in this place. Thank you, Jesus. But they stayed like that for 18 years until God stirred them again. He stirred them up with His word. He said these things. Number one, He told them, Now is the time. Now is the time stop procrastinating, stop putting it off, stop saying next year, stop saying next month, stop saying next week. Now we all understand there are times and seasons in God, but our attitude is now. Do you understand the difference there? One is the attitude is now and God is saying wait. Or no, you need to build some foundations first. Or no, you need to learn some more. Or no, you need to, before you get launched out, you need to serve. Whatever it is, you always need to serve even when you're launched out. But you understand what I'm saying. There's an order in things. That's very different. Somebody who's saying, God, now. And God says, okay, here are the steps. That's very different from saying, Oh, I know you've, I know you've provided everything, you've given everything, but I really can't face it now. I really don't want to do it now. Or God, I've got other priorities now. Or, or whatever it is. No, the people of God are a people of now. God told them, stop saying not now. (laughs) Not now. If not now, then when? Hello? In the Bible, there are only two days. (coughs) There are only two days in the Bible. You do a study on this, really interesting. There's this day and that day. That's it. And they're referring to two specific days. You know what they are? This day and that day. What is this day? Come on, this is really deep. What is this day? Today. This day is today. This day is today in the Bible. Which day is that day? Now don't shout out being cocky and thinking you know what I'm going to say. What is that day A different day? Yeah, it's a different day? It's not this day. We're getting really close now. Warmer, warmer, warmer. What is that day? Scripturally. Now let's think about this, guys. Some of you deep ones, you should know this one. What is that day? What did you say? The return of Jesus? It is. That is that day in the Bible. It is the return of the Son of God. You could also put it with the judgment day, but if, depending on your theology and all the rest of it, let's put it into that day is that situation. The end of all things and the beginning of a whole new dispensation where the enemy's thrown and destroyed and the gates are, boom. No more devil. Isn't that great? Can't wait. It's going to be awesome. No more annoying people. Can I say that? Actually, I don't know. I don't know if that's the case because I think God always wants us to be patient. So I'm going to annoy you for eternity. (laughs) This day is today. that day is after all of this in the Bible. You know what? Pharaoh, 10 plagues. Absolute mess in Egypt. Why? Because... Let my people go, says Moses, and Pharaoh says, no, so we have another plague. Let my people go, no, so we have another plague. Then he says yes and changes his mind. What an idiot. (laughs) I suppose you can't really blame him. The Bible says he had a hardened heart. There's still personal responsibility though. Anyway. So the plague of frogs. Frogs. Now, I like frogs and snakes and reptiles. I've got a snake lives in my lounge. Isn't it true? I was going to bring him in. When I preach on serpents, I'll bring him in, hang him around my neck, and I can preach. With Casper the snake. I got a photograph of him eating a mouse the other day. He just wrote, Because that's what we do. We feed mice to my snake in my lounge. No, not alive. That's actually against the law. It's illegal to feed a snake a live mouse. It's against the law. Did you know that? No. Stupid law. <laughs> I want the fun of sin. Anyway, let's not know. Let's not go there. <laughs> Moving right along. Frogs. Let's, let's get on to frogs. Michael. Michael's love frogs. He used to catch them in the garden. We had about six or eight at one time in this, in this bin, in the lounge. Slimy, smelly things. They're great. They're just anyway. It's frogs everywhere. Think of a plague of frogs. Frogs everywhere. They were scooping them up. They were frogs everywhere. You get up in the morning and there's a frog on your head. You, you, you go to you gotta pour out a glass of water and you pour out a frog. You know what I mean? Frogs everywhere. Frogs, millions, overflowing with frogs. Frogs everywhere, you slip on them, and you're just frogs everywhere. So up goes Moses to the the Pharaoh. And he says, let my people go and I'll get rid of these frogs for you. And Pharaoh says, yeah, please do. Get rid of these frogs and I'll let you go. That's great. And so Moses said, when do you want me to pray to get rid of them? And Pharaoh said, tomorrow. (laughs) How stupid. Tomorrow, one more night with the frogs. (laughs) Give me one more day with the frogs. (laughs) Why the heck wouldn't you say, pray yesterday? Pray like... (laughs) now when do you want your breakthrough Ah, tomorrow will do (laughs) next week (laughs) no this day (coughs) excuse me today but these people said not now so God told them number one now is the time number two God told them start to build something awesome Start to build something. It's been built before, just start again. Go for it. What have you built before that you need to start building awesome again? What have you built before? Could be a mentality, it could be a lifestyle, it could be a relationship, could be a business, could be a financial plan, it could be a prayer life, it could be a Bible reading plan. What have you built before? That the enemy, by force of arms or by attitude or whatever, you stop building. And God's saying, Come on, 2018, build again. Look at someone say, Now. now. And look at somebody else say, build again. build again. Okay. Number three, God told them that He was with them. You'll find this all the way through the Bible how God says, I'm with you. 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 David, I'm with you. Moses, I'm with you. Joshua, I'm with you. People of God, I'm with you. As I was with them, I'll be with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. I'm with you. God is with us. He's in us. We got far greater than they had in the Old Testament. In the Old Testament, they had external glory and God walked with them externally. New Testament, He makes His home on the inside of us. We are filled with His glory. We are born again. No one before before Acts chapter 2 was ever born again. Acts chapter 2, 120 people, bang, they were born again into the image and the likeness of Jesus Christ. I'm not going to get too deep with that this morning, but dear God, that's what we got when we give our lives to Jesus. God is with us. His name is Emmanuel. God with us. What else did God tell them? Number four, God told them that they were anointed with his spirit. My spirit is upon you. We used to sing this song years ago. The word says I'm anointed, so I am. That was about the whole song. The word says I'm anointed, so I am. The word says I'm anointed, so I am. I've got that burden-removing, yoke-destroying power living on the inside of me. The word says I'm anointed, so I am. I'm anointed. You're anointed. It's a word we don't use often in the church because it's not something we overly, well, you know, people don't understand what it means. So we, we, you got the power of the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Godhead living on top of you, on the inside of you and walking with you. Filled with the Spirit of God. Every burden removed, every yoke destroyed, Every doorway open before us. Why? Because we are anointed. Look at someone say, I'm anointed. I can remove burdens and destroy yokes because I'm anointed. Okay. Number five, God told them, these are all things God specifically said. Number five, God told them, He's the God of abundance. He's not the God of scarcity. He will live with you in your lack. Absolutely. He will live with you in any circumstance you're in but he didn't want to leave you there. Perhaps you've lived in lack. Perhaps you've lived in fear. Perhaps you've lived in intimidation. Perhaps you've lived in insecurity. Perhaps you've lived in rejection. Perhaps you've lived in shame. Perhaps you've lived in physical sickness. Perhaps you've lived in emotional turmoil. Perhaps you've had a broken heart. Perhaps you've been abused. Perhaps you've been rejected. There can be so many things that people go through in life and our God is with you in all of those circumstances but he doesn't want to leave you in any of those circumstances. He's the God who will set you free. He's the God whose anointing will bring you out into a large place. He is the God of abundance. Jehovah Jireh is his name. The Lord, my provider. He is the God of abundance for your life through, through 2018. What abundance do you need from God? The abundance of grace, go to his throne. The abundance of joy, let the river out. The abundance of faith, build yourself in the word of God. The abundance of compassion, spend time in the presence of God. The abundance of intimacy with God and the anointing spent time in worship. He's the God of abundance. He's the God of the overflowing more than enough abundance from his throne. What else did he say to them? God told them that there would be greater glory. There'd be greater glory. He wanted them to see again the possibility that there was before them. He said, who can remember what this was supposed to look like? And I thank God we don't have to look back in some bad way and go, you know what, wasn't church great in 2004? Yeah, church was great in 2004. We bought new chairs in 2004. Don't you like your chairs? Getting a bit holy now. But I don't want to buy new ones for this property till we get into the new property. So that's why we got a few little holes around the place. Don't think, we got a spirit of excellence, but I'm not going to waste money on buying something now that we're going to have to rethink when we get into the new places that we're going for. That's exciting. But he said greater glory. Greater glory. Who can remember what it's supposed to be like? Well, there is a, you know, to a degree, you can go back to the, the book of Acts and see some things that will stir you again. You can read the Gospels and see some things that will stir you, stir us to expect for the greater in our lives as we go forwards. Can I hear an amen? amen? Number seven, God told them that people will be saved, set free, and healed. This is the church that God is building in the UK. We will not be a church that denies the power of God. Glad that excited so many of you. <laughs> Having a form of godliness and denying the power. I've just done four months, five months, six months. April, we started on a series all about character. Six months on character. So you cannot say, oh, that church is unbalanced. All they do is speak in tongues and prophesy and talk about the power of God. No, six months on character, guys. Six months. Virtue, knowledge, perseverance, kindness, godliness, brotherly kindness, self-control, love. It's all stuff of character. We've done six months on that. So forgive me if I get a bit spiritual <laughs> and say, so, you know what? Greater glory God has for Citygate Church. And number seven... What did he tell? I've I've read that. The people would be saved, set free, and healed. I love this. Ezra chapter 5, verse 2. They prospered. Can't get away from that word, guys, in the Bible. You just can't. You cannot get away from the word prosperity in the Bible. It is the word shalom. It's what it is. But don't just, you know, why is it we go straight to money when we think of prosperity? Prosperity is, is our relationship with God. Prosperity is our emotional intelligence. Prosperity is our family health. Prosperity is a church on fire. All of those things come before financial prosperity. They prospered through the prophesying of Haggai the prophet. God raised up. Haggai started to prophesy, start, started to say, now is the time. Now is the Just look at someone say, now is the time. Now is, the, saying, now is the time, now is the time, now is the time. And as they began to say it, it says they prospered through the prophesying of Haggai the prophet. Our prosperity is found in our faith and obedience to God's word. But can I say this? Our prosperity is found in God's glory. That's where we find our prosperity, in the glory of God. What is our response Today. Our response is go for it. Can I have the band up, please? Our response today is go for it. Our response today is now. Not tomorrow. Not next week. Not next year. We're going we're to sing fill this house with glory. I was going to go back into prophesy, but it's not that time. Our response today is, God, fill this place. Our response today is, God, now, right now. Perhaps there are some people in this room here today and you're considering giving your life to Jesus. Perhaps you've never heard that expression, but you're just starting to think, oh man, do I, You know, there's got to be something out there. There's got to be a God somewhere. Is it the God of that religion? Is it the God of that religion? Is it the God of that religion? Can I say, God is not the God of any religion. Not one of them. He's the God of a relationship by receiving Jesus Christ as Lord of your life. I'm gonna be really straight with no disrespect to anybody else. You are not saved by receiving Muhammad as Lord of your life. You are not saved and given eternal life by receiving Krishna as Lord of your life. You are not saved and have eternal life with God by receiving any teacher, any religious figure, any prophet. There is only one way to the Father and His name is Jesus Christ, Son of the living God who was born of a virgin 2,000 years ago He lived for 33 years. For three and a half years, he displayed the glory of God through healing and delivering and setting free and putting people's minds onto the reality of who God is, not what religion had taught that God is. And he died on the cross for the sin of the world. You cannot earn your way to heaven. You cannot praise your way to heaven. You cannot pray your way to heaven. You cannot give your way to heaven. You cannot attend church to get to heaven. There is only one way and that is saying, Jesus Christ, I lay my life down and I invite you and I ask you and I submit myself to you for you to be my Lord, my King, my Saviour, my teacher, my life. It's the only way. By being a nice person, you will not go to heaven. By attending church, you will not go to heaven. By being good to people, you will not go to heaven. By saying certain prayers or going to penance or going to confession, you will not go to heaven. There's only one way. And that is by Jesus, you are my Lord. You are my Saviour. You are my King. I give you my life. I did that 9.30, October the 8th, 1984, Sharon did that as a seven-year-old lying on her bed. I don't know how old Sally was or where her, hers was and Dave's parents were Christians and Dave was brought up in it, but there was a day he gave his life to Jesus. Whether you can identify it or not is irrelevant. Do you know that Jesus is your Lord and Saviour? Is this? I'm just trying to make this really clear. So today, as we've started this year, why don't you start this year as a Christian? Oh, well, I'm a Christian because I'm born in a Christian country. No, Christian is not a description of of where you live. (laughs) Christian means follower of Christ. That you believe what He says, you follow what He says, and He has authority in your life. What a wonderful way to live. Why? Because he's a good God.